Hi, my name's Tara Humphrey and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews and insights from the field of healthcare. The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you by THC Primary Care, where we provide operations and project management to primary care networks. If you are a clinical director or a practice manager and your to-do list is growing by the minute and you could do with an extra pair of hands to support you to roll out your network-based contracts and projects, I would love to help you. We also provide consultancy and coaching advice to healthcare business owners and clinical leads looking to take the next step in their career or their business. Come and check us out at www.thcprimarycare.co.uk. Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So in this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Elliot Engers. Elliot is the co-founder and CEO at Infinity Health. And Infinity Health are a task management platform for staff to share and coordinate care in real time. They are a startup. And this idea and this product has been 10 years in the making. Northwest London University Healthcare NHS Trust appointed Affinity Health to help support their care coordination and have reported it saving eight hours a day and increase the capacity to see patients by 55%. So, you know, like it works. It absolutely works. So in this episode, you're just going to hear Elliot just sharing his journey to date, where they are now, what the future looks like. I really liked it when he talked about you know, the balance between volume and quality. Uh, He talked about legitimising the problem. They're trying to build a world-class team outside of the conversation that you can hear. We had a really long conversation after this interview had finished around how can Infinity really embody those values that attracts a world-class diverse team. And Elliot also just touched on how they're collecting evidence and building case studies. And I think when you're selling into the NHS, when you're, you've got a concept you're trying to prove, collect the evidence, you're going to need it. It's a fantastic tool to showcase what it is, what you've done and how people feel about it and those hard metrics. So I absolutely love this conversation. I know you guys will too. And I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for joining me today on the business of healthcare, Elliot. Please could you share with our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do today? Hello. Hi, Tara. So my name's Elliot. I'm co-founder and CEO of a company called Infinity Health. We describe ourselves as a digital health company. And what we do is we, we, we're a response to a very long-standing problem, which is that the front line of healthcare is still very analog and prone to error and miscommunication and it's extremely inefficient and by that I mean there's lots of doctors and nurses and allied health professionals that are still trying to communicate using outdated tools pieces of paper uh, face-to-face meetings and this is all very prone to error and miscommunication and it also wastes an enormous amount of time and time is 
really, really important on the front line of healthcare. So Infinity is a task management platform. And by task management, we mean um, a solution that can track all of the activity that needs to be done for patients or for the organization, what needs to be done, who it needs to be done by, uh, when it needs to be done, what state is it in. And we allow people to log all of this activity on Infinity in real time on mobile devices and desktop computers. So now everybody has a clear understanding of what's going on and what needs to be done and what the priorities are. Um, and we can log all that activity. And then the data can be used to determine how we can more appropriately resource areas, whether we're measuring inconsistencies between the quality of care that's being provided between different locations. It's really, it's a, it's a new data set um, because we're replacing a very analog system where that data is just not collected in any searchable means. So that's us. Is that an easy sell into the NHS? The principle is easy to sell. Um, nobody disagrees that what we're doing is uh, a good thing for healthcare. It's good for patients, it's good for staff, it's good for taxpayers, it's good for the system. The, it's, it's the detail where um, you start to run into challenges. So, And fundamentally, we're changing very long-standing risk-of-life processes in healthcare that um, we've built up an enormous amount of confidence in. Um, and that's why they're very, very difficult to change. Um, and that's a good thing. Um, if we're going to make a change to something that's mission critical in some way, or very, very high volume, we better be damn sure that the change is beneficial. And so change to those processes is very slow. And slow often means that it's hard to invest in those things. Businesses find it hard to build successful businesses around things that move at those sorts of speeds. Is it a bespoke product or is it standard? Uh, I think we're the, a bit of both. So the, the whole point of Infinity, I think the thing that we've done particularly well is to strike a balance between where does the product need to be rigid and consistent and the same um, and provide a very simple, easy to train experience um, and where does it need to have that flex to accommodate that an oncology team doesn't really care if you're two days post an orthopedic procedure, but they might really care about um, a particular blood result um, for a patient. So you have to understand healthcare and the differences between teams and the ways of working. But I do believe you can build a product um, and a solution that's very consistent and can scale across all care settings. Who is your ideal client? Right now, our ideal client is working with innovative hospital trusts in the UK. Any uh, NHS organisation that is trying to solve a workflow problem, that's our ideal client right now. In the future, we expect that to broaden, um, but we're, we're a startup still. We're a very small team, so we're, we're picking our battles. And where, what led you here? The founding moment of the company, all credit goes to my co-founder, Adam, who is a doctor in the NHS, had been for years. I ha I'm not clinical by background at all. So my, I started out life in the music industry and took a product and technology path to where I am today. Um, Adam was clinical by background, technical as well. We were both putting computers apart when we were younger, those sorts of things. But he would be coming home from... Um, late from a shift at the hospital where he's an orthopedic surgeon and he would have a list 
he would often have two lists of um, because he was on two different surgical firms with two different consultant bosses. And those lists were lists of patients, effectively with three or four columns, who are my patients, why are they here, and what are we doing to them? And um, he, I wondered why he couldn't, we, we were meeting up and he pulled these pieces of paper out and he said, I need to make a phone call. The on-call doctor that I was supposed to be meeting was late and I had to leave and I have to hand over to him. And so he's having a conversation, trying not to share patient information over a phone after he's finished work. And it sounded quite important that there was some really important tasks that needed to be handed over. It felt like a very volatile and fragile process. It was in that moment that 10 years of us trying to figure out what we could do together to improve healthcare, we felt like this was the problem that we could address. 10 years? Yeah, so for 10 years, he had been going to, going into work, you know, yeah. checking BBC News, getting an Uber, and then sort of like walking in and it was paper everywhere. And he, every, every challenge was a conversation about, we should, we should slightly improve diagnostic imaging. <laughs> and I was like, that's a, that's a Siemens problem or a GE problem. And for 10 years, I said to him, we need to find something that a startup can do better than any of the incumbents. Okay. Um, and I think task management and productivity is one of those solutions uh, that would be developed by a smaller, more agile team than a large incumbent. So you've got the idea, you've got the market research, then what's next? Then what's the next step when you, you're establishing your startup? Work with your end users. That's what we did. We did that because we looked at the best companies around in the preceding 10 years to when we had yeah. set the business up. Um, were all companies that were entirely user-centered by design, solving problems for people on the ground. And the long-standing complaint about technology and healthcare is that it was always top-down, everything was waterfall, the idea of agile in healthcare, you know, it was an alien idea and we thought there's such an opportunity here to bring the best product thinking, the best solution thinking, best design thinking to healthcare um, and so we just worked with the, the very best in the business um, and got as close as we could to our end users and tried to understand how they structure themselves in teams, what their needs are, what their pain points were, constantly testing our assumptions. How many clients do you currently have today? We have eight NHS trusts as customers. We have about 15 implementations across those eight NHS trusts. And how big is your team? We're a very small team. We're 10 people at the moment. We're growing quite quickly, but not so quickly. We might double in size over the next six, 12 months. Have you taken investment? And what's that process been like? Interesting. So, so at the, at, in very early days, you're telling quite a high level story. This is the problem. We're going to address it. it. All sounds like a good idea. And also there are some really good incentive schemes in the UK to encourage that sort of very early stage investment. So there's a scheme called the SCIS scheme, which allows a company to raise £150,000 worth of investment. And those investors get a tax break um, for taking that risk and encouraging the development of businesses in the UK. Um, so it's an easier task raising your early stage money because you're often not uh, saying that your business is worth hundreds of millions of pounds and you're asking for less money and the story makes an awful lot of sense. Um, it starts to get harder to raise money when rubber hits the road and you've developed the solution now and you're encountering problems that you knew existed but I think we we doubled all of our expectations about how long everything 
the take, we probably should have quadrupled them. Okay. So then it becomes harder to raise money because now you're being measured on uh, the core fundamentals of the business, the KPIs, the, all the OKRs of the business and revenue. Sorry, what's OKR? Objective key results. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is the other conversation we shall have. But um, there, yeah, there's, there are other, way, other ways to measure a business that isn't a story anymore. It's for the fundamentals. Who's on the team? What progress have you got? And that's a much harder thing to prove. And you need to get to that moment of what the investment community calls product market fit. And are you there? That's an arguable <laughs> point. I think we're right at that moment where we're, we're crossing that threshold. I think we're there. We, we've, we've surpassed it in many of the definitions. I want to be sure that there's no doubt that commercially Infinity is going to be a sustainable business. It's just a question of how successful we want to be. What's been your biggest learning point as a leader to date in running this business? You've got a team of 10, you've got multiple clients, you've got investors, you've got a co-founder, lots to juggle, very exciting, very enjoyable, very stressful. Um, Yeah, what's your leadership learning point at the moment? So right now we're growing quickly. Um, So I think trust is the thing that I'm focusing on or not. So trusting myself to make good decisions about who we're going to hire and trusting the team to contribute to that decision making as well. Like we're building a team after all. And I think that's my biggest challenge for the next year is to build a world class team to solve a very long standing problem and a very big problem. And that requires an enormous amount of trust. So hiring people into the engineering team or the operations team, or we're changing the way that we're doing clinical safety. Clinical safety requires an enormous amount of trust, and I have an enormous amount of trust in my clinical director to do that, better than I could ever do it, and with like, the better intentions than I could ever have. Um, and I think that's the, that's the key learning. Someone said to uh, delegate until you're uncomfortable and then delegate some more. That's a good way to get over that. And that's what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's the best thing. It's the best thing I've done is to trust the people around me more. It's meant that the the quality of work is going up because the right people are doing it. It's meant that I've got more time to focus on the things that I'm good at um, and that I should be doing, and it gives them much more autonomy and control, and will allow us to grow. So yeah, it's the, it's really tough to do. It has been. I think we're all control freaks, co-founders. Once you start doing it, it's great. So before we I, we kind of press live on the interview, we were having a quite a very intense conversation about productivity and we use an, we both use the tool Asana. So how do you manage your, it'd be, I think people would be very interested to know, how does a co-founder like yourself manage your time, manage your day, manage your tasks? Are you practicing what you preach and what you sell? Well, it's a, the PR answer is definitely not the truth. So I'm just going <laughs> to give you the truth. Uh, poorly. So my time, time management, I would score it uh, sort of a C minus. <laughs> um, there's a huge room for improvement. And I know all the things we can be doing to improve them. I'm the worst offender. So I, I get the, m- the most amount of emails in my inbox and I'm, my meeting schedules. I had, a, I had a bingo called bingo when I can finally get a day where from 9 until 5 p.m. 
I don't have a single space in my diary and I'm back to back on Teams calls and I don't leave this chair. Um, it's So I, I, I have, I'm a huge offender of those things. I, mean, I read your recent blog about productivity and setting good goals. Uh, these are really good principles. We've started to do that and I've started to do that a bit better. I've started to arrange meetings that are in 15 and 45 minute increments to solve that problem and just carving out time in my day to actually do some work. So a I get, there's a huge draw on, for some reason, the, the co-founder CEO role requires you to be on a lot of calls and a lot of meetings. That leaves, leaves no time in the day to get any actual desk work done. So I'm actually now carving out time in the day and protecting that, making that sacrosanct. Do you have an assistant? Not yet, no. Oh, I don't like, honestly, you need to get one. So everybody, everybody says it, and also I speak to I speak to other co-founders that have gone through the the next phase. So I'm constantly trying to learn and get some of their hindsight. When you ask a lot of co-founders who their closest team are, who they spend their day to day with, they all start talking about their executive assistants. Now they run those yeah. companies. Put that on your to do list. That will that will definitely buy you back some time. What have you learned about selling into the NHS? So you've talked about, obviously, it's tr you're, it, it's change management and you're trying to change. Even if it doesn't work, people have, are used to now, you know, like the workarounds, they've made something that's not quite clunky work. What have you learned around selling, pitching? What is your sales cycle? How long does it take to, from, you know, like conversation Yep, then Elliot, let's set up a call to actually. Yep, we've signed it on. We've signed on the dotted line. So right, so I think it's important to state that everything I'm saying sort of is true for us right now. Right now, nobody really understands in healthcare. Nobody's thinking on a broad level about task management. Although there is the centre now very much understands what task management is and clinical communication is. It takes an awful long time for the rest of the market to understand that there's a class of technology out there that's referred to as, we call it project management, but task management or workflow or productivity tools like this that exists. So in given that the awareness for the solution isn't there, um, what we tend to do is speak to the problem and say that we have to then say, look, this is the problem that you're experiencing, and this is the solution to that problem. And unfortunately, uh, this is not something that you can just buy and everything works. Um, this is something that we do with organizations in the, in the most real sense. So we provide the technology, we work with them to understand um, how we can adapt this technology to best suit them, um, work with them to create the training materials and regimen and the support to get this integrated and work with those teams to understand the impact that it's having and to then fix and iterate and improve um, around those KPIs. This is very much a partnership solution. And it's, I think that's what we've learned is that you, you just don't, you can't buy this off the shelf. Uh, we can't just provide an API to IT teams and say, here's your task management API which you know, we would love, 
<laughs> if that were possible but it's just it's not that's not possible today so we have to build the case for it every time and we have to work with teams and then we generate evidence that this works and then we try to disseminate that evidence to the rest of the market through uh, the academic health science network through being supported by the nhs innovation accelerator we work with the networks within the nhs just so that everybody understands that there's this problem that you all experience and there's been a really interesting case study you know in the north of england where they found benefits ranging from this if you're experiencing this problem get in touch and that's that's this phase we're at at the moment that will change so you mentioned you're part of the nhs accelerator and what has that done for you and your organization we've been part of two nhs accelerators actually we were part of digital health London's accelerator um, we were cohort two of that accelerator and that was fantastic so that was an accelerator just hitting its stride and that legitimized what we were doing so the criteria for getting on that accelerator is you have to be solving a recognized problem in the NHS so it legitimized the problem we were solving yeah. um, it legitimized us as a business that were credible at solving that and then it gave us access to both clients potential customers but also to health economists and um, mentors within the industry that could guide us so that we could understand the challenges that exist outside of building a really great digital tool. There's, unfortunately, you can have the most phenomenal product, but if you don't do the 99 other things brilliantly well and timing isn't perfect, it could still not work. Of course, definitely. And it, it sounds like, that you, is it quite a close-knit community? I've had quite a few guests on that have been part of the Accelerator and it feels like you said to me the other day, oh, all roads lead back to Ram. <laughs> because we both, <laughs> he's been on the podcast. His podcast was excellent. That's, that's a, I think it's probably like, in the, I don't know if it's top 10 or top 20. People love that one. Yeah, he's good. So, And I still, we still haven't, had the tete-a-tete that I hope to have um I'm sure and I'm sure we will I think I'm sure our paths will continue to converge and but the 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 main main point that you're making that this is a small community I think that there's an awful lot of phenomenal innovation going on there's a moment there's like these great filters that happen where you graduate and you're selected by an accelerator like Digital Health London Accelerator and then there's a period of time where the criteria for getting on to the NHS Innovation Accelerator is slightly more onerous um, in terms of spread and you have to be at an, a certain point and it's very evidence-based and it, it gets you into another tier. And I think at each tier, there's vanishingly small companies in that moment, in that space that are doing something of real value that's making a difference and that's not to say that the other companies aren't doing fantastic work it's just not their moment and or they're not making it their moment but it's not happening and so yeah we end up knowing each other in each group and yeah. then we there's like classes of each year in the accelerator program and I've I've seen some you know some some people that were in the cohort go on to do fantastic things with their companies and other companies have not quite got there yet what mistakes have you made <laughs> Give us some examples. Um, so letting uh, perfection be the enemy of good. Um, we've definitely 
I, 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 there's a point in which that starts to become a mistake, that obsession to, to, to drive for excellence. At some point, you just have to deliver volume um, because the area under the curve in terms of quality and scale, overall uh, volume would be that you have to deploy and you have good enough sometimes is better than not shipping at all. Does the client think that? Yeah, this is a great conversation to have. So there's a huge amount of hesitancy in the NHS to deploy anything new. Everything has to go through a very controlled risk management process. That can sometimes be its own worst enemy. That, that process that's designed to protect and uh, mitigate risk can be the thing that's introducing and extending the exposure to risk. Um, so if we've got a fix for a bug or a security update has become aware, what we would like to do is just to deploy that. And this, this, this is a cause for concern for a lot of NHS organizations. And these are the sorts of questions we're having. How can you do that safely? How can you move at pace? still remain safe it's yeah it's tough balance we've over focused on uh things sometimes we've obsessed about the wrong things sometimes we've gone too broad and we thought at one point we were not only building solutions for staff but we were also building solutions for patients we were talking earlier about um someone we know stephen critchlow with Evergreen and Evergreen Life. I mean, there's some amazing companies out there that are doing some phenomenal things with patient communication with the health. There are wheel, you know, you don't need to reinvent that wheel. Yeah. Sometimes. It was in the podcasting world. I've forgotten his name. It was John Lee Dumas, but you would have heard this term before. They say, he says, niche until it hurts. So you just go, you just keep going and going and going and going until you find your uh, sweet spot. And I think we all do it. You know, when people say my product is for every, you know, like it's for everyone. And that's why I ask people, who is your ideal client? It won't be every single hospital. You want the innovate the innovators. You want the organisations that want that you can find a happy compromise. It may not be perfect, but it's sure better than the current solution. So they're not looking. They know that perfection will will come. So that you know, you don't want every single hospital trust. You're looking for a certain section of people that are going to be aligned to what you're about. Yes. And there are, and that, that happens in the NHS. So there are organisations that are horizon scanning. You know, they've done some amazing work, foundational work on electronic health record systems, and they've finally done that. They've got the basics done, and perhaps they're affluent enough. They're living in an affluent enough part of the country that they have the capability and the resource around to try new things out. Whereas there are district general hospitals who aren't thinking at all about those things. In fact, like given the last 18 months, you know, everything's in the red. And the last thing they're thinking about is changing a process for something that's untested and unproven and is going to cost them money and effort and resource they don't have, skills they don't have. So there are these organizations right now that are set up to do that. They're also funded too. So they would be, there's the Digital Aspirants Program where, or, or there were the Global Digital Exemplars. So we've been working with Somerset who were a global digital exemplar and they have the most phenomenal digital teams that do good sprint planning and good user sessions and we can get we work side by side with them and they they're set up to work in collaborative environments they're set up to put something out there learn from it manage risk 
in a continuous way. And those are the organizations we want to work with right now. And with those organizations, we'll do the research, we'll evaluate the benefits, and then we'll share that with the rest of the market. And then it will become a commodity. Then it will be something that, of course, you do. We've taken all the risks with the innovators. Uh, they're the people we want to work with at the moment. If you weren't part of the NHS Clinical Accelerator, would you know about this stuff? Would you know about the, you know, the exemplars and certain digital programs? Is that widely accessible? Is that, uh, yeah, widely accessible, or is that something that comes from being inside of this system? I'm sure we absorb a lot of it through osmosis because of we're on the right Zoom call or we've seen the th- right thing come up in a Slack channel because we're on the r- we were an, an accelerator alumnus and someone said, is everyone aware that NHSX have put out a thing for why? And we have a WhatsApp group for the fellows and we're sharing what's going on. Is it? Did anyone see the playbooks that came out? But those sort that's this is the sort of thing you're talking about, right? Uh, the playbooks are the NHSX playbooks for explaining to the market. Uh, so they're typically case studies that have been brought together by NHS organisations and digital solutions and partners that have either been developed internally or with organisations like Infinity to say, look, if you were to, this is what we should be doing on cardiology and cardiology recovery. Here's our digital playbook on it. And it lists, it has case studies in it and really good guidance for anyone that's trying to solve that learning that those things exist as a company so i was we're in the, i'm in the nia and there's an amazing company that won at least two awards it, i think it may have been three awards this week <laughs> where um at the hsa awards um so we're one of 12 as you say we should know about this and we found out on a call with nhsx through the accelerator that they kindly had with us that there was a playbook coming out for mental health and she had no idea that that was exist that existed and now she does she wants to apply for it and and all those things and it's really important to understand what's going on like how things are being positioned and framed in the nhs and what initiatives and groups and structural changes are happening all of that is true but I also think that core principles matter more than anything. So just stay true to what you're doing and uh, like the system's going to flex around you. But if what you're trying to do ultimately is a good thing, then the system will just figure out how the messaging aligns around that and how we'll buy it. Um, so you, but you just have to last while a very slow moving system moves around you. Yeah. What's your vision? What's your long-term vision for Infinity Health? The future I can see for Infinity and our path to it will likely be circuitous, <laughs> certainly not a straight line. But I can see a future where staff and patients in healthcare environments don't think that the system around them is working against them. It's working for them. So right now, when you go into a hospital, from the moment you get out of the ambulance, you're probably on a trolley in a corridor somewhere while paramedic is checking you into the hospital and someone's battling with a line and it's late and the system's not working and then you're queued up in your corridor and then someone's got to request a porter to come and move you um, and that's done on paper. And like from the moment you enter the hospital right now to well after you leave, technology 
has failed to enhance that experience in any meaningful way. For the staff members that have to perform all the clinical activity and care for you, through and, and for you and your family and the people that are caring for you, it's not a system that's working in your favour all the time. And t- there's huge amounts of technology that could be brought to bear. So my vision is that As a staff member, you could walk up to any device and securely identify yourself and sign in. Device you have in your pocket uh, or on your wrist or projected onto your glasses is understands what you need to do next, allows you to access it in the most seamless and expected way. When it tells you what the priorities are and who's trying to get hold of you, it allows you as a clinician to do the right thing more easily and that the admin functions are all taken care of by the machine and they can focus on the whites of the eyes of the person that's in front of them and delivering the best possible care and they don't feel like they're wasting or having their time wasted performing functions and they don't feel like it's an unsafe volatile environment where these really important things can slip through the net that's my vision for what infinity could do for healthcare And where does it fit into the integrated care landscape? So if I'm in hospital, I've got three children and then I've got one that's got type 1 diabetes, got one that's got lymphotic syndrome. So we're under specialist care and then we go out into the community, but they don't have your system. So it's maybe smooth in one area, but it's not integrated across and doesn't speak to the systems outside of those walls. Some of them already do have our software. So some we do we've started to do and will continue to do a lot of work with community teams and this is another in this moment where we're third quarter of our vaccine rollout program in the UK perhaps and I'm hopeful of that but now we're turning services back on and we're very concerned about the amount of demand and pressure that we're going to be putting on hospitals so how the, the system's asking itself how can we keep people away from hospital that don't need to be in hospital? How can we treat for them? That means like monitoring them through data, through actual devices at home. But it also means coordinating an awful lot of care in what's now being described as virtual wards. Um, we used to call them neighborhood teams or community teams, where you have hundreds of patients over a large geographical area being cared for by a multidisciplinary team that care for you acutely unwell patients at home. That's the name of the game. So we're doing tons of that work. And so they're starting to get our software. Um, but how does it, the, the ICSs, so integrated care systems, the principle there is an easy sell as well, isn't it? So in its simplest form, the idea is that we should be caring for people holistically across the entire system and then directing them to the right part of the system at any moment they need it. We should be proactively identifying these people and caring for them early, uh, reducing the cost of intervention, the number of interventions, extending quality of life and experience and all of those things. So in principle, it's a good thing. And it's the detail in getting it done that's so hard and where there's so many challenges. And one of the biggest challenges is what's the lubricant between these organisations that's going to allow this data to flow securely and allow for when a patient gets discharged from hospital that the care pathway by the local authority has been set up and that all the tasks that didn't get done in hospital are still outstanding and they get handed over and all of that task and all of that information flows. Mm -hmm. That is what Infinity is. We are a fabric technology 
I said that we are focused at the moment on NHS hospital trusts. Um, that's largely because we're working with their rapid response teams who man the virtual wards at the moment in order to keep people away from the hospital. But we plan to be across the entire system in the next two years. I just come off another podcast interview um, with a lady called Catherine, who is, I think, the Chief Strategy and Transformation Officer at IC24. And from from an ICS perspective, was saying that COVID has taught her that you can't, I mean, they are integrated care, they're providing integrated services, the value of partnerships, and not one organisation can do it by themselves. So what other organisations do you, outside of your clients, what other pieces of tech, pieces of software, pieces of intel do you need to be partnering with to strengthen your service? Um, Right now, we can think of quite a few. So, and we're having more than more than conversations so we're doing quite a lot of work with partners so the first is uh, the electronic health record companies so there needs to be an understanding that they're absolutely necessary and they're the bedrock of inf- health information systems so you need as an organization be it a hospital or a community trust you need to be storing healthcare data in really robust digital secure ways. So we need to work really closely with those organizations because a lot of what we do, so say a patient gets admitted to hospital, what Infinity would do would be told about that admission because we'd be integrated. So we would receive a message that says, this patient's been admitted to this location. And we'd say, thank you very much. We're gonna automatically set up a task for this patient, VT assessment or sepsis assessment task that's supposed to happen every time someone's admitted to an inpatient ward. So we would dip into the record to understand a little bit about this patient so that we could then surface the right information at the point of care, the bedside, so that the staff member, the appropriate staff member, could collect that information in the most seamless, accurate way possible, record it, and then we would want to put that data directly back into the health record. And then Infinity's done its job. We've, we've made it easier for that per, we, to, to make sure that that thing happens and it happens correctly and on time. And then we put the data back where it comes from. So health record companies, there's some really interesting companies around that. So we do, as I said, we do clinician to clinician communication and we think we do that really, really well. And we're going to continue to focus on that. But a, a large part of what almost everything we do, every task in infinity is for a patient. And so involving the patient in their care would mean sharing our data in some way and i think rather than us trying to build and dilute our focus and try to build a solution that shares a bit of our data with the patient i think we look at those companies that are trying to do that and that's their mission and then share our data with them at the right moment so you might get a notification through doctor doctor or AcuraX mm. or evergreen life uh, letting you know that you that Infinity says that um, Elliot's on his way to you now and he'll be there in 15 minutes. And then when the assessment's done and it's completed, the outcome of that assessment might be shared with you via one of those companies as well. So we're working really closely with patient communication uh, and clinician to patient communication companies. Um, And then I think there's a really interesting piece we can do around data. So we're looking at how we do predictive modeling. So we can do things like we think on a Thursday afternoon in June, you're going to need to have this many SHOs, this many nurses of well, this you know, staff grade. We need grade. to speak to Ram. He's got that kind I of... I know. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All roads lead to Ram, and and uh, along with uh, Ram, there are some great companies in that space as well. So, the data analytics companies are probably our main focus now. And there's a few other things that we're, we we think workforce is a particularly interesting space mm-hmm. because what we do affects them. But there's there's a whole world of technologies that are supporting staff and supporting HR teams to better plan resources and look after staff, especially important right now. So how do you manage your focus and energy? So you've got a lot to do. You've got a big vision. How do you get sleep at night? How do you relax? Or is it just work, work, work? It's been work, work, work for a very, very long time. And then we were starting to get to a point where it was becoming predictable and we were building and capacity in a more predictable way which is really helpful um and then covid hit (laughs) yeah (laughs) covid hit and covid hit at just that moment where we were going to start to scale reliably um and it created a huge amount of uncertainty but also the busiest period for the business and me personally and and in amongst it i had like a two-year-old you know that me and my wife were looking after 24 hours a day and my wife is full-time in her career so we both have more than full-time jobs doing childcare, which is more than a full-time job. And just, it was the relentlessness of it that. So uh, uh, that burnout became a very real thing. Um, so we're now at that point where the fallout from the pandemic and the huge amount of growth that we've had means that we've got a, you know, a growing team that are brilliant. And um, I'm starting to get time back, as I said, to focus on the things that I'm good at can do what they're doing and i think this will not be straight path either i think we're in a moment of like relative uh, calm coming up for the next month or so and then there's going to be some intensity when we deploy some new products and new implementations coming up in august <clears throat> and how so i'm always interested when i meet somebody so you're married your partner's got a full-time career you've got a small child how do you divide and conquer on your home life and your work life how do you juggle that? Carefully, uh, but also just, again, core principles. So my daughter's the most important thing in my world um, and will always take priority. So that make, that's easy. If there's something that needs to be done for her, it's an easy decision. Um, and everything gets dropped. Um, and, so, and then I move on and I'm, I'm, it's a decision tree. And it's like the next most important thing in my life is my wife. And then it's, and then it's my business. And during working hours, my business gets my full attention, my fullest attention. I'm entirely dedicated to its mission. When you think about your day, if your brain is a decision tree, what was at the top of your decision tree work-wise to today? Get a purchase order in from a customer that's <laughs> two days late. Pay me, yeah. <laughs> so right now, it's really important. We kind of closed close those loops and get the money but that that was that was top of my list that's that's that was two, that's two days overdue I've really got to chase that up that this was in my diary of something we do so I, I, I cleared space before and after um which was it's just a rare thing with you um to discuss it it's been a while since in these moments you tend to summarize where you've been and you haven't had that moment so it's therapy for me so thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> just when I listen to um when I listen to podcasts of entrepreneurs and, you know, they're being asked questions and 
I used when they wouldn't you know that they don't remember certain things or remember certain dates and I think how can you not know you were there but then when people ask me I'm like you don't stop to reflect you're just going forward 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 and it does take you you just forget it forget the tiny little conversations and tiny things that have happened that may have generated leaps in your business I think it is nice to take stock and think okay like wow we've done it we've we've come this far and then it's like on to the next but it is nice to take a breath yeah to not be so tactical that's the key is so my I'm tactical from about 5 30 in the morning till about 6 p.m at night as I'm entirely tactical and then in those moments where I'm with my daughter <laughs> I try to be entirely present and I haven't been that's been really hard where you've got the pressures of the business still buzzing around in your mind so it's it's a way of putting that to the back of your mind and being entirely present in that moment having dinner sitting down having a chat with my wife and then I'll allow my brain to think strategically outside of those hours I've stopped watching television and sport <laughs> and stopped listening to music a lot in the last four, four or five years I love do you know what we need to stop talking I couldn't. I think one of my most used tools in my office is my Alexa. I've got one in like every room. Like I have to have music in the background every day, every day. We should talk about music because I say I came from the music business. I I adore music. And my daughter, my, my, my enjoyment of music is entirely the, the only time I get to do it is with my daughter now is to listen to music. Did you find it distracting if it was on in the, in the background? Not if what I was doing was focused work with my head down, sort of the sorts of work we used to do, that sort of intense, uh, either like design or like technical work. That with music on is phenomenal. The work, the work I do now, just it's not conducive to it. It's, I can't have music on in the background while I'm talking to you. And as I said, I'm in back-to-back meetings. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what you mean. Okay. I'll take that, I'll scrap that social prescription for music off. <laughs> It's, that's not to say it's a bad idea Tara. Like, probably, I would I would love to get more music into my life definitely oh. Elliot if people want to connect with you where is the best place to find you don't send me an email um, connect with me on LinkedIn um, or connect with any one of my colleagues uh, you think might be interested in what we're doing um, and they'll get my attention um, but if anyone reaches out to me via LinkedIn um, and expresses their interest and it aligns with what we're doing then I will respond to you then so what's your what's your LinkedIn what's your full name Elliot Engers two L's and two T's cool thank you so much thank you very much Tara for the opportunity so much for joining us if you like what you hear I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five star review I know many of you give us a shout out on social media which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast so please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care on Instagram at THC Primary Care and on LinkedIn just look for Tara Humphrey and if you're not subscribed to our newsletter please do it's really really funny you get to hear more insights more confessions some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week so click on join the newsletter letter in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode.